All right, Cohen, you're hosting, but I'll ask the first question. Should I keep my money at Silicon Valley Bank? And what if I don't have any money? Those are my two questions. That's a very confusing question to start this podcast off with. But <laughs> I, I think if you're me, what I just did was I took my personal money out of SVB and it's in the process of being wired over to Chase Bank. But if you're a business, I don't think there's any risk in keeping your money in SVB right now. By the way, welcome back to another episode of The Outsiders, a new name to be determined soon. We are going to go deep today on Silicon Valley Bank again and discuss the aftermath of everything that just went down over the weekend. We've got tweets, we've got news stories, we've got the right, the left, the old, the young. Everyone's got an opinion on Silicon Valley Bank this week, and we're going to get into it all. So, but yes, Michael, keep your money with SVB, and when you lose it, don't come crying. It's like flying on September 12th. (laughs) It's an incredibly safe day to be flying. Nobody's really comfortable with it, but it's a good day to be on the plane. So I just moved all my money into SVB. And to your second question, what if you don't have any money? (laughs) OnlyFans.com, new sponsor of the podcast. OnlyFans is a premier website where podcasters can make extra money by... Anyways. So total uh, there's aside, a lot of options. Quick, but before we get in, I uh, hung out with, randomly, here at South by Southwest last week, the president of Playboy. And it turns out they have launched a OnlyFans competitor that is doing very well, and it's all Playboy models. So if OnlyFans isn't your thing head over to Playboy and check out their, their competitor to OnlyFans. <laughs> and now I'll ask the sponsor next episode. Here for? <laughs> I know. This is the content that you come to us for. So Cool. All right. So basics, can I, can I keep my money at Silicon Valley Bank? Do, and do I need to move my money out of these regional banks now or should, can I leave it there? So I think the serious answer is you can absolutely keep your money in Silicon Valley Bank. All the deposits are fully insured by the FDIC. With no time expiration, it is the safest bank right now in America. That is at least the marketing slogan that they're going for. They are encouraging people to move their deposits back to SVB. It's business as usual. New management team, uh, new bank under the hood. I think it's the National Bank of Santa Clara is the one actually holding the deposits and then acting as the the bank for when you actually do your, your account and routing numbers. They're also lending again. They're doing lines of credit. I have heard drawdowns against um, uh, partner capital calls at funds. So Silicon Valley Bank is back in business. It took a whopping 72 hours, a few tirades on Twitter, Janet Yellen, and we are back in business with SVB. Okay. So this was a huge mess, kind of wasted my weekend, also made it super entertaining. And I had a lot of people like up all night because they thought they were going to lose their life savings. I think a mutual friend of ours had a million dollars in cash. That was his net worth. And he was going to lose all of it at Silicon Valley Bank wow. if things didn't turn around. Um, but, um, and then like, let's talk about who do we get to blame for this? Whose fault is it that Silicon Valley Bank blew up? Oh, it's absolutely SVB's fault. But when you, when you pragmatically look at who is responsible for this mess, they made some terrible long duration bond bets. You're not really supposed to do that as a bank. Very low yields impacted their entire long-term trading strategy and, and, and their whole, you know, and all these banks are trying to make net interest margin. It is 100% the fault of Silicon Valley Bank for not managing their risk appropriately. Now, was the backlash and the outrage and the, uh, or the panic, I should say, that led to the bank run warranted? Probably not. I mean, we talked about this last episode where anyone that was able to read a balance sheet saw this months before this bank run actually occurred. I don't think that the that the actual run was warranted in and of itself, but you can't blame depositors or investors or the media or people on Twitter for 
the bad decisions of a bank, and they made some really bad decisions with their. You want to you want to hear about one bad decision that happened after the aftermath? Yes. The yes. former CEO of Silicon Valley Bank, Greg Becker, he did this Zoom call. And like, you know, if you're a CEO, you're going to be recorded when you're doing the Zoom call in front of 10,000 employees after your bank implodes. He's wearing a vest or a sweater for this golf club that costs $130,000 a year. Ooh. And he's just sitting there in his private, you know, office. And he's like, I'm so sorry this happened. This is terrible. We're not exactly sure. But my number one duty is to protect your jobs and our investors. Okay. Now, I know that your bank just failed, so you don't give a shit. But <laughs> you got to find like a fashion consultant to help you wear something more toned down from your private golf club in Scotland that costs $130,000 a year wow. as you're giving this terrible message to people. What a terrible Man look. of the people. Man totally. of the people. It just makes the narrative that much worse for everyone who's been blaming tech for the entire weekend that might have led to the collapse of banking as we know it. The guy wearing a $130,000 sponsored country club vest doesn't make our case any better for why we are one with the people in the small businesses of Ohio. So I did go through and I, I read through Twitter today to prepare, you know, because if you want to get like the best information that you can trust, you just go read random tweets. Hell yeah. And I went through and I made a list of everybody who was getting blamed for this and whose fault it was. Uh, you know, despite what we just concluded, banks management sponsored by the board and the equity, like that's who's to blame, right? Let's just, let's call it what it is. But so far it is, these are the people I saw blamed. Venture capitalists at hashtag of all colors, like doesn't matter what, what you're male, female, like you're to blame, you're a venture capitalist. Private equity is to blame because they brought mm. too much money. The founders are to blame because they trusted a bank and put their money into it. Management is to blame. That is the correct answer. Uh, I also saw people of all colors blamed. You have white guys blamed. You have brown guys blamed. You have the entire thing in between, including the Wall Street Journal thing, which was the, perhaps the most hidden racist op-ed I've ever seen in a modern 2023 thing. So we need, we need to loop back on that. Uh, men, women, and then the newest one is the auditors. So KPMG is blamed for looking at last year's books and not predicting <laughs> that the bank would get in trouble this year. Like, it's just the most inane thing. Like, 400,000 follower Twitter accounts retweeting this like it's smart, and it is the dumbest thing I've ever read. Like, you can't blame the auditor for looking at last year's books and, telling no. you, and predicting that a bank is going to fail four months later. That's just not what they do. Anyway, there, there's three people to blame. One is the intern who is responsible for their bond trading strategy. <laughs> Two is the non-existent risk team that didn't mitigate this risk months ago and realized that if interest rates rise, their entire balance sheet would have been fucked. And then three is the CEO for not having a risk team to hold accountable for this entire thing. You have one job as a bank and it is to mitigate risk and make sure deposits are safe and you fucked it up through and through. Those are the only three people to blame. The intern probably won't get another job in finance and that's fine. But like the CEO and... <laughs> the chief risk officer and everyone else should absolutely be held accountable. And we do need to talk about the fact that they took millions of dollars off the table in, in selling shares weeks before all this news went down, because that is a really big deal. I mean, the timing is obviously very sus. I love that word. The timing is sus, but you have to, uh, there's several arguments. People are saying, oh, well, this is, this is how banks work and they have their preset trading windows and whatnot. But also like you have to realize the timing is just, it's a very bad look. And I believe the Wall Street Journal reported that uh, they're starting an investigation into Silicon Valley Bank for those trades that happened weeks before announcing this bad news. So 
Maybe, maybe if their bonuses would have been higher, they would have been more incentivized to work hard, and this never would have happened. You know, let's take that side of the bet. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. Dude, these guys need to go to jail. I mean, I'll just come 100%. straight out and say it. And all I can think about is like, that, you know, that Parks and Rec meme where the guy from Venezuela, the general from Venezuela comes up and he's like, straight, straight to jail. jail. Like, that's how I think about these guys. Like, how did you sell a bunch of stock two weeks before you imploded your bank? Like, it's just crazy. I just think it's your fiduciary responsibility as the CEO of a bank to have a chief risk officer for the entire time that the bank is in business. There was a gap of a year. There was a year where they did not have a chief risk officer. You are a you are the 17th largest bank in America. You have to have a chief risk officer. Full stop. He should be he should go to jail just for that. Straight to jail. Straight to jail. Straight to jail. Country club jail. Do you want do you want to do you want to talk about Michael uh the very fascinating op-ed article that you read about uh, how DEI led to the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, yes, I, I do. I don't want to paraphrase it because I don't, I don't want to be associated with saying the words in it. But basically, like, it's in the Wall Street Journal today, and it's like, because the bank was too focused on, like, DEI and ESG, like, they didn't have their, like, they were asleep at the wheel. And so, you know, instead of worrying about what color people are, we need to, it's like, it's just like this craziest hidden racist thing. Like, did anybody think to read that before they clicked print on it? Like, you can't say that. Like, and they may have meant something else, but you can't say what people are thinking it meant. And uh, it's just crazy. Like, I don't understand it at all. Like, wake up, Wall Street Journal. Not a good look. Not a good look at all. How do you, how do you get there? Right. I mean, how do you, if you're looking at this whole situation, <laughs> what's the, what's the meandering path that you need to take to say, I know what the problem was here. Too much diversity with the board. And I think the article even said something to the effect of, now I'm not saying if it were 12 <laughs> white guys running this bank that we wouldn't be in this situation, but okay. In 2023, no matter how you feel, unless you're writing for the Babylon B. You're not allowed to write those words, right? No. So it's uh, that was a, a, a fascinating article that somebody was paid to write. Uh, yeah, unbelievable. The, the, the op-ed guy needs to be, or lady straight or whoever's in charge of the op-ed page, or <laughs> he, she, they, like they- Straight to jail. Straight to jail. Like that's what I think, straight to jail too. That's the new, that's the new name for the podcast, straight to jail. That, uh, I like that actually. That's not <laughs> bad. I mean, yeah. at least a third of the podcast is just calling out blatant fraud. So it's, uh, it's rather fitting. Speaking yeah. of that, Chris, you went on the closest thing to like a Twitter vendetta this weekend. And yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was inspiring. I felt very inspired by it. Given I was tweeting memes of me and chicken crispers. Uh, I thought you had it going on. So what's up? What's up with that? You had some great well, tweets. Well, look, I, you know, everybody, there's, there's who's to blame for this, which is one side of that, which we've already covered. And then there's the, who should be patting themselves on the back for fixing this situation in a 48 hour period. And I can tell you who shouldn't be patting himself on the bat back, which is Jason <laughs> Calacanis, the Michael Scott of venture capitalists who just memes his way into every conversation with some of the worst takes screaming at people on Saturday night, who's out buying guns and ammo and, and rations because the world is literally collapsing. And 12 hours later, everything's announced as the FDIC is taking care of this whole thing. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, so you have these people with massive social media followings who are just 
scaring the shit out of everybody totally unnecessarily i mean they're they're uh you know foreshadowing the collapse of other regional banks by retweeting these accounts that are actually short selling those banks they're out there saying everybody needs to be buying guns and ammo because the world's going to hell in a handbasket and meanwhile they have dozens of portfolio founders who are just desperately trying to get their you know money out of these accounts so that they can operate another day and, and run payroll so in terms of the helpfulness scale of what people did to help, you have some incredible people like Vinod Kosla and Sam Altman who were just like personally giving money to founders over the weekend yeah. in case this didn't, you know, in case this fell through. And then you have other people, uh, you know, who have these, these large followings that are just out there scaring the shit out of everybody, creating unnecessary chaos, spreading rumors, spreading fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And then after all of this is sort of resolved, saying, I think my message worked, and Janet Yellen probably personally read my tweets, and that's what led to the successful outcome of all this. Like, how delusional do you have to be? Yeah, the most. Well, I delusional. mean, what's so the difference there is the right thing to do is call your audience out and say, "Here's what I need you to do: keep a calm head. I need you to call and say what I told people to do on Thursday, Friday. Call your representative, call your senator, call your governor, and say this is has tendrils everywhere, and it's going to take down." empires of people and cause a great recession and spillover, mm -hmm. right? Big, big, bad stuff. It's not go scream about it and make yourself the story on Twitter, right? Yeah. And get more audience for yourself and get yourself on TV. It's like, go tell people what the right thing to do to make a difference is if you really want to solve the thing instead of promote yourself. And I think that's the distinction you saw about good actors in this whole thing versus bad actors. Like Bill mm -hmm. Ackman, like I read that thing he put out and it was like very measured. It was very logical. And it was like, here's what we need to do. Great. Thank you. There's no fire in a crowded theater. Bill's not trying to get on CNBC unnecessarily. Like it is just Bill trying to do the best for what he thinks is best for America. And I like, you got to respect that. He may have a bag in the, in the game, but you got to respect at least at surface, surface issue what he's doing. Totally yeah. different than other people. Totally different. Imagine not having to worry about the legal side of your business. Imagine having a legal partner who can do things like manage your IP portfolio and someone you can easily call whenever you have a legal question. And all of that before you have a large legal budget. My name is Gaia Kisatli. I'm the founder and managing attorney at GK Lawco. We are a virtual law firm that focuses in intellectual property and startup law. We have helped hundreds of clients scale and innovate while remaining compliant. Our diligence has helped clients save hundreds of thousands in damages and obtain millions in funding. Our promise to you is to provide you with legal advice that helps you move that strategic needle and to give you excellent work product that you can rely on. Learn more about our legal subscription packages at gklawco.com. The amount of arrogance and ego that you have to have to make this entire situation about yourself when you have very minimal skin in the game and downside. Let's face it, if, if he is as rich as he says he is, he very likely has way less skin in the game than all the founders who had raised their seed rounds and their money stuck in Silicon Valley Bank and they can't access their lines of credit. And so to make it all about him the entire weekend is fucking absurd. And the only message I can say to it is, the best thing that anyone could have done who made it about themselves is to shut the fuck up and send wires to their to their companies to keep them afloat the next week, not go make it about themselves, not pretend like they are helping, and just operate behind the scenes without the need for a big spotlight and audience. And frankly, probably the louder you were this weekend on Twitter, the less helpful you were in real life. And so 
that's my takeaway from the entire thing is just, it shows you who you don't want to work with in the future. It was very clear to me that it's just the, the people who made it about themselves this weekend and were really loud and sounded the alarms and made everyone panic and freak out are not people that I personally want to co-invest with. Okay. I have another random group of people we haven't taken as bad actors. And it's these people that go on social media and they're like, oh, these depositors, these startup founders who sometimes were forced to get venture debt, who were sometimes told they have to bank with Silicon Valley Bank by their board. Like it's their fault. They're stupid. Like if you said that on social media this weekend, like go back and delete those. Cause that is like the most, like it's, it's terrible. <laughs> you should not have, you should not have said that. That is like something you're going to regret three months from now. And you're like, Oh, like, you know what? I should have been kind of compassionate to those people who are potentially going to lose three, five, 10 years of their whole life. We talked about our friend who had a million bucks at risk. Like, mm-hmm. like that's a lot, a lot of money. Like he worked for a long time and gave up a big chunk of his life to make that money. If you said that stuff, you're kind of, yeah, you might be a POS over the weekend. And I would, you know, you still have a window to delete it. That's what I would suggest. I, I will say your friend for being wealthy should definitely rethink his cash management strategy going forward, though, if he's got totally. a million bucks in a non-FDIC insured account. Totally. But to, <laughs> but to pick on the guy and say he deserves it because he trusted the 16th no. largest bank in America not to be yeah. a total stupidity, like you, you got to give the guy a little credit for it, right? We haven't had a bank failure in 900 days. And so, yeah, okay, he picked the wrong one. Yeah, but, well, and, yeah, and, but and still, the, like, the collapse of SVB is is actually showing the, the cracks in some of the other banks, which is why people trusted and why people used SVB in the first place. I think we take for granted the fact that, you know, somebody who maybe is entrepreneurial, has all this money from entrepreneurial ventures can go to SVB qualify for things like a mortgage and sort of co-mingle their personal life and their business life. SVB was the the king of that, and hopefully they will still be moving forward. But I mean, I've heard so many stories on Twitter of people who've said, okay, I took the advice, right? I got all of my money out of SVB successfully, and I went down the street to Bank of America, and I literally can't set up a Bank of America account for my company because my domain ends in .co or .io or .vc or .xyz. Like, they only support .com, some of these banks. So the most obvious low-hanging fruit that SVB was successful at of, like, we're going to sort of understand startups are weird, founders are weird, and your financial situation is assuredly weird, and we're going to work with you. The traditional banking system is still just not set up for that. And so there's still a massive gap in the market of people who, you know, obviously distrust SVB and probably will distrust similar, you know, regional banks for a variety of reasons. But you're just not going to get the same love and services at some of these massive banks who are primarily serving brick and mortar retail businesses that are completely different from internet companies. No, I mean, back when I started my first company, we were based in Gainesville, Florida. We had 50K in the bank account. We had raised it from some family and friends. And we opened our first business checking at the local credit union. I think it was called Florida Local Credit Union or something like that. It was actually that that credit union of a name. And I remember going in and opening up the business account. And you have to you just have to go through hoops and hoops of filling out all these PDFs and forms in order to get a business account open. Then they don't do uh, uh, they don't do enough wires where they start charging you for fees and they don't actually understand how to service you as a software business. They don't understand what you do. And you give them a call and yeah, there's some local mom and pop banker who banks other mom and pop local businesses and you need that for a large chunk of the economy. 
But when you're a software business and you're hiring and you're hiring remotely and you're paying payroll and you're sending wires and you've got weird stuff going on because operating a software business or a technology business is weird, you need a specialized bank for that. And it, w- it would have been really sad, I think, had SVP, SVB disappeared completely from the face of the earth because it does solve a real need with technology businesses and 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 a lot of other uh, technology adjacent businesses, I think, is what we learned over the weekend, there's a lot of real estate projects that they service that other folks won't. There's a lot of nonprofits they service that other folks won't. They also bank the technology companies in Omaha, Nebraska, and Gainesville, Florida, or went to school in Columbus, Ohio, where there is no credit union there that specializes in it. So I think it would have been sad to see them go. Let's talk about the backbone of American industry that would have brought this company down if Silicon Valley Bank went down. They bank almost all of the wineries in Northern California. Mm-hmm. We would have had a massive Chardonnay shortage if they had gone down. Like, what are we going to do? Like, end of, end of the universe. When that news came out in the midst of this, when the when the the socialist baristas on Twitter are freaking out because <laughs> companies had put over two hundred fifty thousand dollars in a bank account, and no company deserves to have over two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and certainly no individual deserves to have over two hundred fifty thousand dollars. As they're having their meltdown, the fact that people are tweeting in earnest, think about the wineries. I was like, oh my God, this bank is going to fail. They're going to take all the money. All the money is going to be gone. You know, Biden's going to come in and just repossess all this money as government funds now. This is, this is horrible. Could you imagine how lit the FDIC would be if they seized all the wine? Just FDIC offices loaded with crazy exactly. wine. Just pallets of wine. <laughs> I was legitimately worried. I was like, shut up. Don't talk about the wineries. Don't talk about the helicopter companies, the private jet companies, the luxury hotels that work with them. Shut up about all that. Let's focus on these hardworking startup founders. That's the story. So you you two are like easily one and number two of all time shit poster memers, I would say on Twitter. Would you would you accept that or tied for first? Is that is that cool? No, I, I mean, there's, I think there's 10, I think that there's 10 above me personally. Who? Elon, than you? Trung. There, I mean, there's a, there's a long list of people that have way more followers who I think are in the shitposting yeah, category. Yeah, but quality of memes, but I would purity, say you're, you're I mean, top one okay. or two. Okay. You're like the top, Coors, top. you're like the Coors beer of shitposting, like fresh mountain Banquet water beer? and that's all you get. <laughs> yeah, Coors. yeah. Okay. Top, top 10. I'll accept <laughs> not, beer. not one, not one or two though. So how did it feel? Let me ask you this. How did it feel to be in front of Twitter, not working? And it's like your Super Bowl. Like, like you're just there. It's bottom of the ninth. And they just keep throwing pitches straight down the middle of the plate straight at you. Like, how, I got how did you, how did you feel? It's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's an indescribable feeling to, to go on Twitter. Because for, for weeks there, I feel like we didn't have a main character. You know, it's it's the GPT-3 stuff kind of wore out. And then there were two or three weeks where it was just a drought. The number one startup bank failing over a 72-hour mm. period. I mean, content galore, our right? Mona Lisa. So, that was exactly. our Mona Lisa weekend. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, it, was, it was so good. I mean, the thing that was surprising to me the most out of everything was the number of fake or anonymous accounts with avatar profile pictures who just attacked the shit out of anyone in tech who posted anything remotely positive to wanting to make depositors whole. So if you go to any of my tweets uh, from the last week, you'll see if you go to quote tweets or you go to replies, 
it's an endless stream of random crypto anonymous accounts with the avatar profile picture. And here's a rule of thumb for all of you out there using Twitter. If you want to make your Twitter a better experience, just ignore anyone with a fake profile picture. Just anyone for the most <laughs> part. If it's not either their real name or their real photo, you can ignore them. They have a fucking stupid opinion. It doesn't count on Twitter. It, it was it was actually enlightening, though, as to how how hated tech is outside and, and just business period right outside of this little mm-hmm. bubble that we have of like smb twitter fintech twitter tech twitter whatever where there were these really great founders coming forward of you know this one woman in particular who went viral by saying hey i am not the bad person here right i raised a four million dollar seed round i live in ohio i drive a used minivan my husband's in manufacturing and that got 15,000 likes over the weekend of, you know, mm-hmm. I'm an SVB customer. I employ lots of people throughout the country. We have no presence in Silicon Valley. Like we are the sort of average customer of Silicon Valley Bank as a seed stage company. And then she's getting quote tweeted by people who are getting 50, 60,000 likes mm-hmm. saying, oh, you worked at McKinsey in 2011. Oh, you know, your husband went to Columbia or whatever. It's just like, you can't put anything out there that is pro-tech that goes outside of the tech Twitter circle that isn't going to be totally shit on by people. Many of whom probably work at companies that are, you know, totally involved with tech. But uh, mm-hmm. it was it was definitely a wake-up call over the weekend to see how many, you know, how many people just hate, hate, hate small businesses. It's pretty, yeah. uh, it's pretty scary. Life, life is not a meritocracy and everyone gets really upset when you say the words out loud that it's not equal. It's not, you know, the best person wins and they want to find anything to root against you when they're doing a lot of self-projecting and they're, they're unhappy because they're jealous that they're not in that position. And so that's the only reason why you would be angry and poke at someone like that and punch up to, um, you know, to specifically that woman in that story. And the the other part of this is depositors are not investors and this entire time i mean that's the entire argument is as a depositor you are not taking a bet on the bank's investment strategy you're not returning you're also not making money if the bank does well in their investment strategy you are parking your funds somewhere that is supposed to be safe now can you make an argument oh do you want to go put your money in a risky bank and you earn 10x the yield well look crypto fucking tried that they tried that put your money in our treasury you'll earn 25% by staking with us turns out that shit doesn't work but that's the risk that you take wait it doesn't investing in a crypto bank sorry <laughs> it doesn't i have all my money in one of those wait <laughs> let's talk after the pod this is yeah, bad well we tried that right like crypto tried this you want to you want to put funds into an unregulated uh, exchange or a marketplace and you want to stake your money there and they'll take a bunch of high risk and high bets and build their own Ponzi schemes. Well, that stuff will collapse. That is not what the American banking system is built on. And if we need to argue for more regulation to limit a certain number of banks to to not have to make any long-term risky strategies, but it is the safest bank to park your money with, fine, let's do that. But depositors should not be treated as investors. And I think that was the whole takeaway. And for some reason, thousands and thousands of people on Twitter can't comprehend the difference between the two. Well, there's a large part of the population that can't comprehend having over a thousand dollars to their name. I mean, that's 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 the reality, right? Of of like these are at the end of the day, these are high class problems, right? To have an account that has too much money that isn't FDIC insured. I mean, that's ultimately what we're talking about, where 70, 80, 90 percent, depending on who you which study you believe of this money in SVB and similar banks like First Republic is not insured by FDIC insurance. 
Um, it's, it's really challenging and I, and I, I can empathize to a certain degree with people like that, but I think that's where all this, all this stems from, right? If you have thousands and thousands of dollars in debt and the narrative from some dumbass who you follow on Twitter that has a million followers is like, your tax dollars are going to bail out these rich assholes who run wineries. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you're going to get upset. And if you don't read beyond that, um, then I think that that's where a lot of this, you know, confusion and, and hatred comes from. Well, no one wants to read beyond the headline. They love getting angry. I mean, the whole point- That's how we run this entire podcast. <laughs> I've never <laughs> read true. a news story. That's yeah. true. Why I, would you I've read, read the book? only two of them. <laughs> Seems like a lot of work. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think it's it's also like it exacerbated in this case because this is a topic that's actually pretty hard to understand. Like mm-hmm. how many bad takes did you see? Because the people just had no clue. Like this is not basic banking, like, hey, we take in deposits and we lease it back, you know, we sell it back out at this and you keep capital reserves. No, this was like advanced banking, like, you know, hold the market, like hold for duration, like serious level stuff to understand what really happened here. And then you have people like saying like, you know, equating depositors with equity holders or bond holders with, you know, with people who have lines of credit, like just totally misunderstanding how the whole system works. Yeah. Or in this case, how a very complex problem came about through really management being jackasses and the board being jackasses. But like that made it even worse. You know, when you have mm-hmm. these people that are pretty smart, you're like, no, wait, you need to read, read anything, like read something before you tweet this. Cause it's totally wrong. Totally wrong. Yeah. My favorite take, and I'm sorry, I don't, I don't really want to try to dunk on anyone in particular on the pod, but because he's now a public figure, Halley, the guy who was fired by Elon Musk and um, you know, they had the whole debacle in my replies posted a really dumb fucking take, which was capitalistic on the way up and socialistic on the way down. And basically we're bailing out all these rich people. And I would like to remind the pod that he lives in Iceland where they let their banks fail. They have a total of three banks in the country, as far as I understand. We don't want a total of three banks in the US. We like having our 4,000 banks and choice and optionality where you, if you don't like the way Wells Fargo is treating you, you can fuck right off and walk down the block to Bank of America or your credit union. That doesn't exist if we let the banks fail. And so there is, there is a level of balanced regulation in every single country that needs to exist. And that is not called socialism. It is called a healthy economy with oversight. Sorry, I'll end my Girdley rant there. This is Michael Girdley, by the way. <laughs> you did, whoa, 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 I'm leaving on me. All right. We promised we'd be under 30. Are we, uh, we got anything else to, to say on this topic? Otherwise, like my ask for everybody is please do not form up and take all of your money out of the regional banks as quickly as possible. Like- we don't want to start a run on all the rest of these banks because trust me, like the gap between like community bank and Chase and figuring out a bank in the middle that can take care of you, like good luck. <laughs> good luck if yeah. we get rid of those things. We need them for a functioning economy uh, or things get ugly real fast. So anyway, that's that's my girdly plea. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share it with your friends, share it with your friend who doesn't understand how the banking system works because us three are the experts. Give Leave us a review. <laughs> And going forward in the future, we're going to try to cover less topics and just a couple of them more deeply. So that's the plan for the pod. Hope you enjoy. Always send us feedback. We love to read it.